Hello, golfers. The golfers here. Now live on WWLS, the sports animal. This is the 73rd hole with Sam Humphreys. I'm Tiger Woods. I'm Tiger Woods. Sam. Oklahoma's premier golf show. Giving you insider access and interviews to golf in the state of Oklahoma and on the PGA Tour. Yeah! There you go. Good shot. It's the 73rd hole. I love y'all. <laughs> on 98.1 FM, WWLS, the sports animal. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd hole radio show live on the sports animal of Father's Day and U.S. Open final round preview edition of the 73rd Hold radio show. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you as always. And we will be joined at 1020 by my dad, the hump man, Craig Humphreys. I'll tell him Father's Day uh, then. And then next hour at 1120, we will be joined by one Jim Woodward, who I'm sure will be rooting for Ricky Fowler today, considering he guaranteed at the start of the year that Ricky Fowler would win a PGA Tour tournament this year. We'll definitely talk to him about that. But let me bring in my co-host, T-Dub, Taylor Williams. And T-Dub, before we start talking about some golf here on this Father's Day, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, shout out Randy. Yeah, happy Father's Day to my dad, Randy. Love you very much. It was pretty funny, Sam. Last night he told me, he said, the best Father's Day gift I could get or that he could get would be if Ricky Fowler won so that on the podcast he could listen to Woody just absolutely rip me to shreds <laughs> when Ricky wins. So if uh, if Ricky does go out to win, it will be a good thing for my dad because he did say that is the number one thing he wanted for this Father's Day. No doubt, no doubt. We both got extremely lucky getting great, great dads. Preston, do you want to give a shout-out to your dad and tell him happy Father's Day? Yeah, he's down in Texas, so I, I doubt he's listening, but uh, happy Father's Day to my dad. I love him very much. That's sweet. Um, fellas, what a golf tournament we have coming up later on this afternoon. And when I say later, I mean way later. Now, it's an hour earlier start today. They're going to start around 4.30 yard time. Yesterday, it was like 5.40 yard time. Um, but fellas, we have an unbelievable leaderboard. We have Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler, two former OSU Cowboys tied for the lead of the U S open headed into Sunday, big time storylines. But before we get to them, let me read off the rest of this leaderboard. Like I said, Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler tied for first place at 10 under par. Rory McIlroy one shot back at nine under par. Scotty Scheffler in solo fourth place at seven under par. Harris English, former Ryder Cupper, at six under par. Solo fifth place and then tied for sixth place, you have... DJ, Dustin Johnson, and and uh, Xander Shoffley at five under par. And then you have Nagano, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his first name, T-Dub. This is a rare occasion where in a major championship, T-Dub, we do a golf show every single week, and somehow someone always in a major championship slips up into the top ten that I have absolutely no clue who he is. T-Dub, you might help us out later on in the show. And then to round out our top ten, you have Tom Kim, who shot the low round of the day yesterday at four under par, three under for the golf tournament. Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Smith, both tied with Tom Kim. T-Dub, what were your overall thoughts on what you saw yesterday? And just start where you want with this immaculate leaderboard. 
Well, as you mentioned earlier, Sam, they are going to be starting about an hour earlier today than they did yesterday. And yesterday's primetime action was just top-notch stuff. It, there's nothing better than primetime major championship golf. And we're going to get that today. People may be asking why they're starting a little bit earlier. It, it's because if they have a playoff, they have to have some time to get it done. It's not like the old-school days where they had the 18-hole playoff come back the next day, as cool as that would be to see. It's now a two-hole aggregate playoff, so they need a little bit of time to do that. And all honesty, Sam, with only starting an hour earlier – and with how it finished yesterday, it finished it pretty close to dark. That if, if that playoff goes a little bit longer than two holes, we may have a little bit going on. But there's a lot of factors that go into that if that ends up being the situation. But we almost had – we have a, two, elite final, or two elite final groups today, but we almost had even a more elite final group. It looked like for a very split second we were going to have the Rory Ricky final group, but Wyndham Clark goes out and makes a birdie on 18 after making what was actually a really good bogey on 17 to get it in. So that was something I was pretty impressed with Sam yesterday was Wyndham Clark's maturity in that situation to be able to win just a couple weeks ago at Wells Fargo and then to come in and play three solid rounds of a major championship for a name who's who's a top 20 analytically player currently, but a lot of people in the game don't know about him. It's been good to see a, a local guy who played his college golf here for 30 years in Wyndham Clark playing some solid golf and really we're trying to we're really just seeing him mature in front of our eyes yeah there's no doubt about that he is no journeyman out on the pga tour he is an up-and-coming star on the pga tour if you weren't paying attention at the wells fargo he stared down xander shoffley and beat him in that elevated event at quail hollow that was big time speaking of wyndham clark in the tea times t-dub wyndham clark sounded off a little bit after the round yesterday he said quote it's a little ridiculous that we teed off that late with a 340 starting time local time uh he was playing the last two holes and semi blind and and it felt like dark to him he said quote we played twilight golf and ricky agreed uh, they both thought that if it was a tour event, they'd be looking for the horn to blow because of darkness. Did you did you see that same thing? I know it looks lighter on TV, T-Dub, but to me, they had all day to start playing. Uh, and they decided to, you know, like you said, it's great for the TV, you know, viewership, having it at prime time. But at the same time, I mean, maybe start an hour earlier. And then today, I hope they don't run out of time. It seemed like yesterday that they were, I mean, right on the cusp of being too late. Had they started 10 minutes later or had there been another lost ball situation somewhere in the round, they, they may have been in, in a worse situation than they are. And also, too, Sam, I mean, whenever you tee off at 340 in the afternoon, what are you supposed to do when you wake up? If you have a, if you have the 36-hole lead, the odds of you sleeping extremely late are slim to none. So you're going to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs for multiple hours at a time. But as you mentioned to, as well, it does just lead to the great viewership. I think the coverage ended here at like t- little past 10 our time. So, I mean, that, that's great stuff, especially at this time of year with the NBA Finals ending, not really many other sports going on. So, no, it's – to me, I absolutely love it. But from a player's perspective, Sam, I could definitely see where they would be a little agitated. And you would think that maybe we could use a little common sense here, maybe start 30 minutes earlier. I don't think that would have been the end of the world at all and maybe would have led to those last two holes not being in twilight golf, as you called it. And then speaking of the pairing, so obviously Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler will be going off in that final pairing at 2.30 local time, which is 4.30 our time. And then the second-to-last pairing, T-Dub, reminds me of the Dell Technologies match play. You have Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy in the second-to-last group right there at 2.19 local time, 4.19 our time. Then Dustin Johnson, Harris English. Uh, then you have Nagano and Shoffley, DeChambeau, and Tom Kim and then Hideki Matsuyama and Cam Smith. 
T-Dub, before we start talking about the players on this leaderboard, let's get into L.A. Country Club a little bit because I feel like it's been a little bit unfairly ripped this week. Obviously, the scores are low. Right now, Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler are tied at 10 under par, and it's a U.S. Open, and people love to say the winning score at the U.S. Open should be right around even par. In my opinion, T-Dub, for our country's national championship, you should want to reward the guys that are playing the best that week and punish the guys that are playing average to bad golf. And I think that this course, LA Country Club, has absolutely done that. Now, we've heard some interesting quotes by not only Brooks Kepka, who obviously the media is going to take and run with, but I mean, from the defending champion, we heard very poor. Hopefully it's not the same other U.S. Opens going forward. That's Matthew Fitzpatrick talking about the USGA and L.A. Country Club. We also heard Victor Hovland say this. Hovland said, quote, you know what? I'm not a big fan of this course, to be honest. I think there are some good holes. I don't think there's any great holes. I think there's a few bad holes. I think number nine is probably the best hole out here in my opinion. Now, T-Dub, I think the LA Country Club has been great. It's produced a great leaderboard. It seems like a place that I would really enjoy playing. Um, And considering the fact that they had about zero bad weather, and obviously the June gloom came in, it saturated everything. The two weeks leading up before the U.S. Open, they didn't get a whole lot of sunlight, which didn't allow them to grow that Bermuda rough quite as long in some areas as they wanted. Now, I feel like they probably could have brought the fairways in just a little bit and probably had, you know, a, a you know score in the lead around six under par instead of 10. But to me, that doesn't make a huge difference. What I like about a golf course is does it reward good shots and does it punish bad shots? And I feel like LA Country Club has done just that. And when you look at the ball striking numbers, T to green on the week, Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler are all hitting it the best in the field other than Hideki Matsuyama, who's putting terrible. But Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler, Rory, and Scheffler are all hitting it great, and they're one, two, three, and four on the leaderboard, T Dub. When you have good weathers they've had, it's really, really hard to have a course set up with the best players in the world to finish around even par. If it's set up in a fair setup, you could put some pins on some slopes and have guys six putting if you wanted to, to get it down there. But, but I don't feel like that that's a good way to, to have a, a course set up. So no, I've really liked what I've seen this week from LA country club. I get what some of the players are saying though. There are a lot of blind tee shots out there and that's something that I'm not the biggest fan of either. When I play it, I could definitely understand from this aspect. Bruce Kepka mentioned that as well, saying he doesn't like that. It's not the best spectator course as well. There's not a abundantly amount of great spots where players can set or where spectators could set up and watch and, and do all that. I mean, we've seen uh, a number 18 green up here at the clubhouse there, and there's not an abundantly amount of people usually we're used to seeing big grandstands around. And also there have been some rumors that a lot of the L.A. Country Club members had bought up an abundantly amount of tickets for the tournament, so maybe they're not all being used. So I think that's something that is not ideal for the tournament whatsoever. So I think there's a lot of factors here at play, Sam. But I went back and I looked at it, and I just – I think that people are getting a little, their minds a little foggy when it comes to how a U.S. Open should be played. 
Here's the, the winning scores for the last how many ever U.S. Opens. Minus six, minus six, minus six. Minus 13 at Pebble Beach when Gary Woodland won. I don't remember everyone saying that. That was a joke set up, but maybe they were. Then you have, like, Bruce Kepka at Shinnecock. He won at one over, but then the year before at Aaron Hills, he won at 16 under. And I remember that Aaron Hills U.S. Open. I remember this U.S. Open. It's not even close. Aaron Hills was such a more easier setup and such a joke setup when it came to the U.S. Open. It's not even funny, but you look back on it too, Sam, that the times where they finished at even par or around even par, it's totally on the course. It's If it's not at Shinnecock Olympic Club at Merriam and Justin Rose one, he was one over, so that's that's another deal. Or Torrey Pines, it, it's all dependent on the course, Sam. I just don't feel like this course is as difficult enough if you have winds that don't blow harder than 10 miles an hour with a fair setup to get the guys shooting as low as you want them to. So I, I just feel like that people need to realize that if you want a U.S. Open to always play around even par, you're going to go to about three different golf courses. You're going to go to Shinnecock, you're going to go to Oakmont, you can throw Pinehurst in there. You may be able to sprinkle an Olympic Club or a Marion in there. Maybe a Pebble Beach if the wind blows 30 miles an hour like it did in 2010 or 1992 when Tom Kite won. But other than that, Sam, these guys now are just too good and the course conditions are too pristine that it's really hard to get the score around even par unless you go to one of these, like I mentioned just a second ago, top one of those three courses that allows it. Let's talk about the crowds for a second because you mentioned that the fact that there's not many people out there. They didn't allow many tickets or near as many as they normally do for a U.S. Open, and it looks weird, especially after watching a PGA who pretty much allows anybody in the gates. Um, I heard something interesting or I read something interesting on Twitter, and this comes from J.J. Colleen. You've probably seen him on Twitter, West Texas Driving Range Pro. He says, Quote, I'm all for playing the U.S. Open on cool private courses that we'll never get to see otherwise. I don't care if the winner is 20 under. Play Pine Valley, play Cypress Point, play Fisher's Island, play them all. And that's kind of, and I know it's tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but at the same time, we never would have gotten to see L.A. Country Club, and we've talked throughout the week how it is one of the most exclusive places on earth, not just golf clubs, just places in general on earth. And we never would have gotten to see it as in depth as we have this week. If it weren't for the U S open being there, by the way, Preston brought up a good point yesterday. LA country club is Los Santos golf club for those wondering. So some of you probably have played it on GTA, but anyways, uh, the whole point is we never would have gotten to see LA country club if it weren't for this U.S. Open T-Dub? Well, I completely agree with that sentiment there. It is the U.S. Open. You would want to go to the best courses in the country, really, no matter what they bring from a score perspective. I agree. Like like I was mentioning earlier, the Aaron Hills U.S. Open, where we're having 16 under, and the fairways are – I think the, they think these fairways are wide at L.A. Country Club. The fairways at Aaron Hills were twice as wide as, as these are, especially with how they're playing with the slopes – on this course. So there, like I said, there's a lot of factors involved in it. And you look at the, the future sites that they have for L, for the U S open. They're actually going to go back to LAC in 2039. That feels like forever from now, but they, that's how far the USGA has got these out. They've got a lot of tournaments at Pinehurst number two coming up. They've got Oakmont coming up. Shinnecock in 2026 Pebble. It's going back to Pebble 2027. And it's going to be on about a five year rotation from there. You got Wingfoot, Marion in there. And then uh, Oakland Hills, in 2034 and going all the way out to 2051, Sam. That's how far out that we know where a U.S. Open will be played, which is absolutely crazy. But it seems like just based off that future venues there, Sam, they have listed out, USGA is pretty keen on wanting to go to those few courses where you can only shoot – if you shoot five or six under like Bryson did at Wingfoot, you're going to win by six shots. And if they keep playing it at these courses like that, it would be a great idea. But, yes, I would love to see 
every maybe once a decade or even twice a decade, you go to a Pine Valley or a Fisher's Island or a Cypress Point or a Chicago Golf Club, something like that. Just one of these courses that never gets seen and is very prestigious. But at the same time, there's a lot of just logistics to go into that. Maybe a course like Pine Valley doesn't necessarily want a U.S. Open, so I could definitely understand that. And like I said, the logistics behind it make it difficult, but it does seem like just based off the future venue, Sam, that this unless unless things change drastically with the the golf ball and they if, especially if they decide to dial the ball back, trying to play Marion, Wingfoot, and Shinnecock Hills, I don't think the future of us worrying about if U.S. Open is going to be around par or not. I feel like that's going to be pretty secure. No doubt. And there's some tough courses coming up, not only for the U.S. Open, but for the PGA as well. Now, is it a PGA or a U.S. Open that's going to Aronimink here in a couple of years, T-Dub? Do you know that? I believe it's PGA Championship. I, I think don't know it's if it's PGA. 2026 or 2028, something like that. They're, I know they're going to a PGA Frisco, which is not too far from us, in 2027. But Aronimink is somewhere in there, which I know you're a very big yeah, fan of that. And, and that's a tough course is my point. Obviously, PGA, the, the Frisco course, no one's seen yet, so we don't know much about that. But like you said, the rotation is coming back into play for the U.S. Open, which I think is mainly a good thing. But maybe throw in, like we said, a uh, Cypress Point just for one year, just to say you did it. I don't think that's necessarily a horrible thing. T-Dub, before we end this segment and start diving into this leaderboard, I want to get your thoughts on how things ended yesterday. Obviously, a shocking 18th hole with Wyndham Clark with the club twirl of the year on 18 hits right in front of the hole, grazes the flag stick, goes to three feet. He ends up making birdie, and Ricky Fowler barely misses his putt. High side, it goes to, uh, I don't know what, two and a half, three feet, and he pulls his short putt to take the solo lead into Sunday, and now he is tied for the lead with Wyndham Clark at 10 under par after a two-shot swing on 18. If you're Ricky Fowler headed into Sunday, what is your mindset? Because he said his mindset after the round yesterday is, quote, I'm not scared to fail, um, but it kind of looked a little shaky on 18. It looked a little bit uh, dicey there when he missed that short putt on 18, considering that was the putt to give him the solo lead of the U.S. Open headed into Sunday. And these are just the typical things that we've seen from Ricky Fowler over this last year. He's been playing such great golf, but hasn't been able to break through yet. And we're kind of, everyone's kind of wondering why. And he has so many top top 10 fin- or top 15 finishes, but he doesn't have a finish inside of the top five since going all the way back to October of last year. So he's always been just right around there, but you're curious as a saying, well, how come he can't break through? And it's because he's been doing things like what he did yesterday. I remember I've been saying this for the last few months. I remember at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the final round, he makes a hole-in-one on number seven to vault himself up either to tie for the lead or right around there. And then he bogeys his next two holes after that. And that's just what Ricky has been doing. He puts himself in position. And then like yesterday, played some great golf, made that a tremendously long putt on number 13 uh, for birdie, and then proceeds to play some pretty solid golf after that, making some pars coming in. But then, as you mentioned, the three putt on 18, especially after Wyndham Clark throws it in there, makes a birdie. I mean, he could have easily had a two-shot lead going in today and said he's tied for the tournament. That's a, a very big momentum swing, especially going into – the final round of a U.S. Open. So there's going to be a lot of things to look at here. I will say this for Ricky Fowler, which is promising. There's only two players in the field this week who are gaining more than a half a shot in every single category. Ricky Fowler is one of them. Dustin Johnson is the other player. So Ricky has almost every single aspect of his game is clicking on all cylinders. So in all honesty, Sam, you have to ask yourself, it's a big stage with the U.S. Open, but with how well he's playing now with and how well he's been playing 
into this week. If he's not going to win this week, you have to ask when it's going to happen. He's going to have to play very good this afternoon, but it seems like at least the first three rounds, almost every aspect of his game has been clicking on all cylinders. No doubt about it. We need to take a break here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody to go hit that subscribe button on the 73rd Hole Podcast. You can find it on Spotify and Apple. On Apple, it's called the follow button. On Spotify, it is the subscribe button. But you can find us anywhere you get your podcast or golfoklahoma.org. We're right there on the front page and the sportsanimal.com podcast page as well. It's absolutely free to subscribe, and it just helps us out, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. Continuing with the U.S. Open talk after the break, and we'll bring in my father, the hump man, Craig Humphreys, to talk about the U.S. Open on this Father's Day on the 73rd Hole Radio Show on Oklahoma's leader in golf, the sports animal. And we're back here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animal on this beautiful U.S. Open Sunday, which also means it is Father's Day. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you until noon. Let's go ahead and bring in my dad, the hump man, Craig Humphreys. Dad, I love you. Happy Father's Day. I got you a present for Father's Day. Uh, it's that you get to work this morning on this Father's <laughs> Day. Uh, congratulations. Uh, Thank you for coming on and taking the time in all seriousness. But, Dad, let's dive into this. I know you've been watching it all week. Crazy finish to the round last night. Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler, two former Cowboys in the lead of this U.S. Open what are your thoughts on what's gone on? What are your thoughts maybe on L.A. Country Club? And, and who do you really like headed into this Sunday? Well, I appreciate that, Sam. I love you, too. Always uh, love T-Dub, Preston, love the show. Uh, we're in for a great Sunday. I love L.A. Country Club. I hate that people are ripping it. Now, the USGA, and I heard you guys talking about that, I mean, they only allotted 22,000 tickets for this. The majority, uh, majority of those, um, Doug Ferguson wrote a piece on it the other day, Associated Press, and said the majority of the 22,000 tickets went to uh, corporations and, and club members. Public sales, I think, was only around 4,000. So, but, but the trade-off of going small is you get to play a great course like L.A. Country Club. And I, hey, listen, we've talked about this, Sam. I think it's a great course because... It does give you a chance to score. There's plenty of birdie opportunities out there, so it rewards good shots, but it definitely punishes bad shots, and we've definitely seen that. And also, and I've heard you guys talk about this, just look at the leaderboard. I mean, you, you got the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, who's only three shots back. Rory's number one in the world. He's only one shot back. Ricky Fowler is one of the most popular players in golf. Wyndham Clark is, is a rising star who, who just won at Quail Hollow. And you got Harris English up there and Dustin Johnson and Xander is, what, number six in the world. You know, so you got a tremendous leaderboard. So I, I think we're set for a great day today. Oh, man, you've been covering golf in the state for a long time. We, we remember when Ricky Fowler was playing college golf here at Oklahoma State and how he came out on the scene extremely strong in 2014. He finished top five in every single major. In 2017, he actually led the PJ Tour in strokes gained total as well. 
for the last few years, it's been an absolute roller coaster, and most of the roller coaster being on the down. But for whatever reason, ever since he went to saw back to Butch, he's got his swing worked out, and it seems like that everything is just progressively in the right direction. We are alluding to it earlier, how many top 15 finishes he's had this year. So just from your journey of seeing Ricky Fowler from when he started to now, just kind of take us through what you've seen these last few months. Yeah, like you said, the last few years, uh, T-Dub, I mean, he wins in Phoenix in, in 2019. That was his last win on a Super Bowl Sunday in front of a, a, as, as loud a crowd as you're going to have in golf. And then to sink as low as number 185 in the world, this is only the third major that he's qualified for in the last two years. I think he's played, what, four out of the last ten majors. Heck, hadn't even played in the last couple of U.S. Opens. Wasn't at the Masters earlier this year. So we forget how far that he's fallen. So to get back up to number 45 in the world, even though the world rankings I know are not uh, accurate right now, but but just to get from what number 185 up to number 45, it's been quite a climb uh, for Ricky Fowler. My big question today, guys, and I, I had him as my dark horse, by the way, uh, so thank you very good much pick, this good week. Good pick, good pick. Where we pick. The uh, leaderboard uh, basically looks like your picks, Dad. <laughs> well, I, I had Scheffler as uh, my number one pick. Now, my number two pick, Xander Shoffley, I thought he was never going to get out of that bunker on number one yesterday, picking three <laughs> tries. Uh, but Xander was my number two pick. I And, and I'm, I'm telling you the truth, I did think long and hard about going with Rory, but I went with Hovland, who's 200 par. I mean, it's, it's not embarrassing what Hovland has done. And I had Ricky as my dark horse because, like you said, T-Dub, he has played so well and so many top uh, 15 finishes. My big worry, though, about Ricky is, and, and they, they showed this on the Golf Channel last night, with 54 hole leads, all right, 2010 Memorial had a three-shot lead and lost. 2011, AT&T at Pebble Beach was tied for the lead, lost. 2016, Wells Fargo, one-shot lead, lost. 2016, FedEx St. Jude, one-shot lead, lost. 2017, Honda. Now, he did have a four-shot lead in that one, and he won. Then 2018, Phoenix Open had one-shot lead and lost. The next year, 2019, that was his last win when he had a four-shot lead in Phoenix, and he did win. But even since then, 2021, C.J. Cup, two-shot lead and lost. And then the 2022, Zozo, one-shot lead and lost. All those leads after 54 holes. And so now he's tied for the lead, and we saw him miss the putt where that prevented him from having a one-shot lead. So that's the only thing I worry about, T-Dub. I mean, he hasn't been great with a 54-hole lead. So that's two for nine, if I was counting correctly, on holding 54-hole leads. Um, Rory McIlroy, I mean, tell me if you've heard this story before, but another major championship is right in the palm of his hands, Dad. Uh, But he hasn't won one since 2014. So what would be the bigger storyline? If Ricky Fowler won or if Rory McIlroy won? Boy, that, 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 that's a great question there. Um, Rory, the nine years, I mean, with, with, without a major. And T-Dub, you know, you remember all these better than I do. I can't even remember them all for one thing. But, but St. Andrews last summer, he shared the lead going into the final round, and Cam Smith blows by him. So he's been in this position twice the last couple of weeks, right, at the Memorial and at the Canadian Open. And, and he hadn't played well in the, in the fourth round. Looking at this, even though I didn't pick Rory, it's just watching the golf the last three days, he seems prime. His game right now looks better than anyone else's game. It looks like he should win today. But there's a lot of Sunday mornings that we've said that, right? 
Give that oh, stat, Tina, that you love to give on, on his final round scoring average. He believe is, I'm trying to get exactly pulled up right here, buddy. I believe he is 135th on the PJ Tour this year in final round scoring average, which is just absolutely crazy from a player of his caliber just because you expect someone like that, Huntman, to be able to take the bull by the horns at times and go out and win tournaments. But for whatever reason, really, even going back, he didn't really have a chance at the PJ Championship, but he still finished seventh there. So he's had three straight top ten finishes. But especially the last couple of weeks being there in the final group or close to it, He's not being able to get it done. His driving is there, but it seems like every other aspect of his game on Sunday, Hunt Man, just, just goes downhill for whatever reason. It seems like his mind is in the right place so this week. I, I thought he made a very smart move by canceling his press conference. He, he did the walk and talk with, with Johnson Wagner, and, and it was all about course management and what his game plan for the week, which his game plan was to put the ball in the fairway, to, and if that took hitting five woods or irons off a tee, he was going to do that, but he's hit a lot of fairway woods off the tee, right, T-Dub, this week. He's hit a few drivers, but I don't know. His mind just seems to be in the right place uh, this week. So I don't know. I'm, I'm getting this feeling that, that maybe it's Rory's tournament, although I'm not psychologically equipped to bet against myself, so I'm not going to go against my man Ricky that I did pick as my dark horse. But Rory's game really looks to be in a great place. And then you got the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, who was my pick, T-Dub. And he's just, I mean, he, he's missed. If he had made putts, I'm thinking this guy should be leading this golf tournament. And all of a sudden he's floundering around, one over par yesterday, and he comes to 17 and knocks his second shot in the hole. And then he drains a putt at 18. And, all the, and then Ricky misses the short putt. And all of a sudden, you got the number one player in the world sitting there only three shots out of the lead. It really was an unbelievable final couple holes there with Scotty Scheffler holing out and then birdieing 18. You had Cam Smith birdie 18. Then you had Wyndham Clark birdie 18. And then Ricky missed the short putt. It was a wild 15 to 20 minutes right there. Uh, outside of those four guys, Dad, you got Harris Inglis, Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley, you got Nagano and Tom Kim and DeShambo and Cam Smith and Hideki Matsuyama, even Victor Hovland right there tied for 12th out of all of those guys. And that's a lot of big names that are chasing today. Which of those guys do you think has the best chance to be holding the trophy on, on, you know, this afternoon outside of the top four? Cause I do think the winner is going to come from the top four, but I think the next three, I, I think you can go five shots back down to, to Xander and, and Dustin Johnson. Those two guys are just too good. And I know Xander has, has thrown it away also a number of times in, in, in majors, but he's had so many top five, ten finishes, even especially at the U.S. Open of all majors, it, it's just hard to count him out. Now, I know he was driving it terrible yesterday. Based on how he played yesterday, that's fresh in my mind, and it's hard for me to see him winning uh, based on how he's hitting the ball. DJ is so talented. DJ, I mean, he could throw a little 65 today. I mean, it's definitely possible, so... It, it's hard for me to count. Now, I, I, of those three, my confidence level is probably more in DJ this morning uh, than it is even Xander, one of my picks, or Harris English. And Harris English missed a number of putts. I mean, he was right there yesterday, right, guys? And 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 in the um, you know final final uh, what seven holes or eight holes? Let's see. He had four four bogeys in the last eight holes. Those key eight holes, T Dub, that you got to play well. And, and Harris English had four bogeys on the last eight holes yesterday, so that doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence in him. 
Well, and to your point, Craig, looking at the analytics, uh, Rory McIlroy is the leading favorite right now, a 31% chance. Fowler's at 28.5%. Wyndham Clark's at 23%. Sky Shuffler's just below 13%. So you add all those up, it equates out to be about 95%. So there's essentially a 5% chance that anyone besides those four will win this tournament. So I agree with you. I, I 100% think it's going to come out of those four. So let's talk about the other guy in there, Wyndham Clark. Uh, man, we've got a classic Jalen Hurts situation, right? Played three years at OSU, then goes to Oregon. So it's like, well, do the OSU fan base, do they claim him? Or does Oregon get to claim him? I think you can probably do a little bit of both. Had a infor- very unfortunate situation with his mom passing when he's here at Oklahoma State. Just, so just kind of tell us a little about, about Wyndham Clark, what you remember him from OSU, and especially what you've seen this week. I I remember some of the stories about Wyndham uh, Clark being a hothead but being tremendously talented. Um, He is the number 32 player in the world because he, you know, he he wins at Quail Hollow, which has I have a lot of respect for. So he won on a great golf course for his first PGA Tour win. Look, this is only his third time playing in the final round of a major, much less the final (laughs) – the final group of the final round. This is only his third final round of a major uh, for Wyndham Clark. But he is ranked number 32 in the world, and you watch him strike the ball the last couple of days. And I have been a little surprised how, especially yesterday, how he he hung in there, just was unfazed. He hit it in the barranca on on number 17. I thought he kept his head. He made a great decision to, to take the penalty, take the drop. He makes a big what, bogey putt from, like, what, six feet on number 17, and then he absolutely stiffs it on number 18, even did the club twirl, and then he drops in that putt that he had to have to get into the final group. So this guy doesn't look like he's going anywhere. I mean, he's really striking the ball well, and it it really does look like he's matured. And we got to remember, it was like 10 years ago, you know, that he was at OSU. I mean, I know that he was there you know, less than uh, – uh, 10 years still at OSU, and then finally transferred to Oregon. But he played great at Oregon, and then, but, but it looked like from his junior career and then coming off his year at Oregon, um, we, we thought that he would win on the PGA Tour long before Quail Hollow. But he had to pay his dues like a lot of people do, but it just seems, listening to him talk this week, he seems to be comfortable. He seems to ha- have matured a lot. And what I also like is he's not just he, – he doesn't have to have, you know, a team of five or six guys to, to give advice to him throughout the tournament. You know, his, his swing seems to be his own, and he can make his own adjustments, and it looks like he's done some good things with his golf swing. So I've been very impressed with Wyndham Clark. Yeah, he was an absolute star at Oklahoma State. By the way, Wyndham Clark, I, I know T-Dub was talking about Do the fan, are the fans allowed to claim Wyndham Clark? Well, Wyndham Clark claims Oklahoma State. He says, when I think about college, and this is a quote, he said, quote, when I think about college, I think about Oklahoma State. And so that is big-time stuff there from Wyndham Clark. And I agree with you, Dad. He was a hothead and kind of had to adjust to the pro-life and really keep his emotions in check, similar to kind of what we saw with John Rom. John Rom was a little bit more talented in college than Wyndham Clark, but both guys were can't-miss guys with strong personalities, I guess you would say. And he's finally matured, and it looks like he's really getting things figured out and I don't think he's going to go really you know down this leaderboard today I think he's going to be in contention all day now whether he wins it or not that's another question dad you've covered a lot of these U.S. Opens over the years in person uh, for Westwood one and 
Dad, I'm curious. Do you think the USGA today will set it up extremely tough after what has happened? You know, the the three previous days. Yesterday was a little bit harder. And, like, I mean, we have to remember in that first round, uh, Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both shot eight under. Ricky's only ten under, and Xander Shoffley right now is five under par. So they have made it harder since that first day. But do you think that they're going to make it extremely tough, or do you think that they might want to see some birdies and some fireworks today? Uh, and if it were you, how would you set it up? I, I think they're going to set it up like I would. I, uh, Paul McGinley, uh, you know, said that he had already seen, you know, the uh, what the whole locations that they're looking at for today, some of them, and, and it looks like they are going to give them a chance to score. And just on that golf course, I mean, there's a lot of birdie opportunities no matter how they set it up, and there's going to be some really hard holes. I think we're going to continue to see what we have seen. Guys with scorecards with a bunch of birdies, but maybe with some bogeys and others, and it's keeping those bogeys and other off off your card that's probably going to determine uh, the winner today. But, but yeah, I, and, and a lot of it is if the sun comes, like yesterday, the sun was out all day, and then I think we're supposed to see pretty much uh, the same thing that we've seen the last couple of days, you know, with a little more wind in the afternoon, sunshine. We've already seen those greens turning colors, right, uh, T-Dub? So uh, this, is, um, this is not an easy, like you say, Sam, it's not an easy golf course. The last couple of days, there have been some high numbers, both on holes and, and, and for rounds, and I think we're going to see more of the same today. Well, man, along the lines of course setup, in all the years of you watching professional golf, have you ever seen an 81-yard par three that the players don't even aim at the flag at? <laughs> no, and I, I don't, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on that one, T-Dub, because I know I, I heard, uh, you know, Chambly was was ripping it last night, and basically they're just saying – you know, he, he said that's fine for like you know, if you want to have fun with a member guest or something like that, but not, you know, not for the U.S. Open to have a hole that's. So you that's just that proved easy, that the hole is awesome. Anyways, go ahead. Well, but but all I'm saying, <laughs> but but in round one, okay, in round one, 97 percent of the field hit the green, and the stroke average 2.73. In round two, 94 percent hit the green is 2.87. Ironically, guys, with the 81-yard hole yesterday, it was only 88% hit the green, and the stroke average was 2.92. So it was the highest stroke average of the three rounds, but it was still the fourth easiest hole yesterday. It was the fourth easiest of round two, second easiest of round one. It doesn't bother me. I I like having a, 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 a little tricky hole like that uh, in a U.S. Open. It's only one hole. They got what five par threes on the golf course so they got fourth they got some really tough long par threes so give them a little short one like that it really because it does it does present a lot of strategy i mean there's a lot of different ways to play even that 81 yard hole right yeah there's no doubt about it i really enjoyed it and we'll get more into that next segment but dad my last question for you today is if i gave you a hundred dollars for father's day who would you put that $100 on, considering Rory McIlroy is plus 225 right now, Ricky Fowler's plus 275, Wyndham Clark plus 300, Scotty Scheffler plus 400, Xander Shoffley is your fifth favorite in Vegas right now. Get this, at plus 3,300. So, exactly. Vegas definitely <laughs> thinks that the winner is going to come out of those top four. 
So you're asking me, would I go against my pick for a hundred dollars? Would I pick Rory for a hundred? You know, would, would I go against Rory for a hundred dollars? That's what you're asking me. No, no, I'm not psychologically equipped to bet against myself. I am sticking with Ricky Fowler. My money today is on my dark horse, Ricky Fowler. Thank you very much. Good, but you know, but I told you what I really feel. <laughs> so you got to think that Rory's going to win, but your heart is it's telling you, Ricky. Like Rory has the look of a winner. I got to admit it. He definitely yeah. does. He definitely does well dad thank you so much for joining us happy father's day again i love you so much thank you for all that you have not only done for this radio show but for the podcast as well i really appreciate it and i love you so much have a great father's day and enjoy the coconut cream pie okay well hey i love you guys and i love your show thanks for what you guys are doing for golf seriously you guys just do such a great job and if you guys are missing the podcast out there 73rd old podcast you need to listen to that every week, these guys are, are the best there is as far as we're in golf, not only in Oklahoma, but all the majors. So keep up keep up the great work, guys. All right, that's Craig Humphreys. You can catch him every Monday through Friday, 9 to noon, on Sports Morning. This is Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, and Preston Poole. We are with you until noon talking U.S. Open on Oklahoma's Leader in Sports, the Sports Animal. And we are back here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animals. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you till noon. Definitely stay with us next hour at 1120. We're going to have Jim Woodward on the radio show. Normally he's our co-host on the podcast, but he's played in many U.S. Opens before. He will give his thoughts on this week's action. But before we do that, T-Dub, let's talk a little bit more about Rick about Rory McIlroy. We'll talk about Ricky with, with Woody coming up on later in the show, but let's talk about Rory. He had a hot start to the year, won the tour championship, won the CJ cup and won the Dubai desert classic. But then he went into a little bit of a slump. He finished 32nd at the waste management, finished 29th at Riviera. He missed the cut at the players. He missed the cut at the masters only finished tied for 47th at the Wells Fargo. But then he got something figured out. He finished tied for seventh at the PGA, tied for seventh at the Memorial, and tied for ninth at the RBC Canadian Open. And this tournament, he's the obvious favorite headed into Sunday at the U.S. Open, T-Dub. What changed after the Wells Fargo for Rory McIlroy just as far as his golf game? I know we talk a lot about Rory off the course, but let's talk about what has changed on the course to make Rory a little bit more successful. Well, the last three weeks where he finished ninth, seventh, and seventh, he's gained shots on the greens, which is something that since winning in Dubai, as you mentioned earlier, he had only gained in, I believe, what is that, seven PJ Tour events. He's only gained strokes putting in two of those. So that was really an element that went down. And then, also, as well, the Players' Championship and the Masters, two of the five biggest tournaments in the world, he was atrocious around the greens, losing more than a shot and a half. There, his chipping was atrocious. He had a couple-week stretch in there where he didn't hit his irons very good, which is pretty funny, Sam. Remember a couple months ago when Rory was complaining about his driver and acting like that was the problem? Mm-hmm. He hasn't lost strokes gain off the tee going all the way back to last August. So I'm not <laughs> sure that if, if that really was the reason they thought he was playing bad golf, he might need to uh, do a little bit better evaluation from there. But it just seems like, Sam, really the short game is what's come around to it. And like I mentioned earlier, the putting, being able to gain strokes on the greens the last three, last three weeks helps. This week he's gaining more than a shot 
on the greens as well. And then off the tee, he's gaining 2.3 shots off the tee, which is blowing the field away off the tee. He's been by far the best driver this week. There's a lot of holes that set up for his nice draw out there. Some fairways run left to right, so he's able to work the ball against the slope. I think that's been giving him a little bit uh, of benefit. And then he's gaining more than a shot approach to green as well. Really the only thing that's really lacking this week from Rory has been his wedge game. I've, hit, I've seen him hit a few questionable pitch shots here or there. So as long as he can not put himself in too many situations like that this afternoon where he needs to hit some kind of, you know, tricky chip shots. We all know the shot that he hit on Thursday where he flubbed it, went under the ball. That's that's not really anything saying you're struggling with the game. That's just what can happen whenever you get dealt with these tough, long, this thick rough around the green. So really chipping, besides the chipping, Sam, everything else in Rory's game has been not just spot on, but abundantly above average and better than it has been over these last couple of weeks. No, you're spot on with all of that. Like you said, on the greens this week per round, he's gaining over a shot per round on the greens. But in round one, he almost gained three shots on the field on the greens. In round two, he almost gained two shots on the field on the greens. In round three, he really didn't make anything yesterday, lost over a full shot on the greens. It will be interesting to see if he putts like he did in the first two days or if he putts like he did yesterday. Um, The other thing about Rory that I noticed yesterday is he did get fortunate in a couple of places. Remember when he was on 14, he hit that three wood long and left of the green, which would have been dead if he was in that long Bermuda rough, but he snuck about an inch onto the tee box, was able to get it up and down from the 15 tee box. And that was a big break. And he also was barely in the fairway on a couple other holes, but T-Dub, other than that, he has looked so solid, and there's no one on this planet that I enjoy watching hit a driver more than Rory McIlroy. He's one of the few guys that can just absolutely blow your mind when you're watching him hit drivers, and I've seen a ton of elite professional golfers hit drivers live. Nothing sounds or looks like what Rory McIlroy does with the driver. Yeah, we got to see it firsthand last year at Southern Hills. Some of the drives that he was hitting on some of those holes, I didn't even know that you could even drive a cart and place it up in this spot, let alone hit a golf ball up there. It's been absolutely crazy. And just to reiterate how well his ball striking has been this week, first round he hit 16 of 18 greens, 10 of 13 fairways. Second round, 13 of 18 greens, 11 of 13 fairways. Yesterday he's hit 15 of 18 greens and 10 of 13 fairways. So, I mean, his swing – is just clicking on almost all cylinders right now. And it was funny, you mentioned yesterday, Sam, because the first two weeks was a completely different story. Yesterday he didn't putt very good, but his short game was better. He was able to get around there, and he actually did not hit his irons as good yesterday as he had in the first couple rounds, but his driving driving yesterday was the best that it's been all week. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can, if he can kind of fuse what he did right the first two days and then what he did right yesterday. I think he can win this tournament by multiple shots. But if he plays like he has in the last few final rounds of not even just the last by the Memorial and RBC Canadian, as we mentioned, but even thinking about going last year to the Open Championship against Cam Smith where he had that lead and, and Cam did go and shoot 64, but yet Rory made so many lackadaisical pars on those drivable par fours that made you think, yeah, he, he just didn't have it that day. So it'd be interesting to see if he's going to be able to encompass everything this afternoon because you look at how he's played the first three rounds and you think that, yeah, he's uh, – He's, if he can keep this ball striking up and make a couple putts, then he's going to be the favorite to win. Yeah, and then as far as Rory goes in major championships, 
obviously it's been a huge disappointment over this last decade. And I think a lot of that has to do with the most important aspect of golf, which is the six inches in between the ears, T-Dub. And I'm not talking about his attitude. He has a great attitude. I'm talking about he makes course management mistakes time and time again, especially in final rounds. I mean, it seems like he short sides himself more than any elite golfer that I've seen in crucial situations. Is that the main thing that you would be focusing on if you were Rory McIlroy headed into today, T-Dub? And, and what other things have you seen that has hindered him from holding the trophy on these major championship afternoons when it seems like he is the favorite headed into Sunday and then for some reason Rory McIlroy just disappears? Well, how Rory has played on the PGA Tour this year really encompasses how he's done a major championship over the last decade. I, I keep bringing up his final round scoring average, 135th. His first round scoring average on the PGA Tour this year is 109th. His second and third round scoring average, he's 37th and 23rd in those respective categories. So that really encompasses how Rory's been. He's either shot himself out of tournaments, out of majors in particularly early, and then kind of backdoor to top 10, top 5. We've seen that numerous times for Rory, kind of similar to what he did last year at the Masters where he finished second, never really had a chance to win the tournament, but you look down at it and he was the second best player that week. Or then you have situations like also at the Masters, I mean, he was playing in 2018, he was pairing the final round with, uh, with Patrick Reed, and he plays absolutely horrible on that, on that last day. So it's, it's a fusion of that. It's the first start and the, the end that has really hindered Rory. But, and it'd be interesting to see because I agree with a lot of people saying, like Paul McGinley said, if, if he can just win one more major and get to five, then that opens up the door for seven or eight to be a possibility going forward. I don't think Rory's the type to win one more and then say he's going to retire or start being more relaxed days ago. I think it'll motivate him more to show him that he actually can still do it because, Sam, when, when, even though you were so good and you won four majors in just the early start of your career, you haven't done it in a decade now. That has to create a decent amount of doubt in your head on if you're going to be able to get the job done or not going forward. Well, Rory McIlroy is the favorite at plus 225 headed into the final round at L.A. Country Club for this 2023 U.S. Open. That wraps up our one of the 73rd Hole Radio Show. Stay with us because we got a whole nother hour with our man Jim Woodward coming up on the 73rd Hole Radio Show. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, and Preston Poole with you till noon on Oklahoma's Leader in golfers here. Now live on WWLS, the sports animal. This is the 73rd Hole with Sam Humphreys. I'm Tiger Woods. I'm Tiger Woods. Sam. Oklahoma's premier golf show, giving you insider access and interviews to golf in the state of Oklahoma and on the PGA Tour. Good shot. It's the 73rd Hole. I love (laughs) y'all. On 98.1 FM, WWLS, the sports animal. And we're back for hour two right here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animals. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you until noon. Definitely make sure to go follow us on social media at the 73rd Hole on Twitter and at 73rd Hole on Instagram. I am at Sam Humphreys 34 on Twitter and we'll be putting out great content all day, especially for a day like this it being a final round of a U.S. Open. T-Dub, we've talked a lot about this leaderboard, but one guy we haven't really mentioned, and I don't feel like a lot of people have really mentioned, is Harris English, who is so low 
fifth place in this golf tournament right now at six under par. Harris English early in 2022 went through a back surgery. He was really having problems with his back. Finally said he got the surgery because he was band-aiding it with shots for many months and finally decided to get the surgery, had a long layoff, and then finally got back to playing some golf. And then when he did get back to playing some golf, at, I mean, he missed the cut at the American Express, missed the cut at the Farmers, missed the cut at the Waste Management, missed the cut at the Honda, missed the cut at the Players. He missed the cut at the PGA. But T-Dub, what have you seen from Harris English that makes you think he's back to being Ryder Cupper Harris English that we saw a couple of years ago? Well, this week in particular, he is putting exceptionally well, gaining 2.67 shots on the greens. There's only one other person in the field who's better than that, and that's Patrick Rogers, who is just hitting the ball absolutely atrociously. So it's been good to see Harris English get a little bit more. As you mentioned, former Ryder Cupper was on the Ryder Cup team in 2020 at um, – at Whistling Straits. So, yeah, it's, uh, he's been such a great player, played his college golf at Georgia as well. And you look at how he's played ever since he came out on the PGA Tour. There's not been one year where he has lost strokes gain on the greens and or around the greens either. So short game has really been paramount for him. His ball striking is what can hold him back, which is ironic because I feel like Harris English has one of the more underrated swings of, that no one really talks about, but it just fundamentally it's so sound, such a perfect fade golf swing. I just absolutely love watching it you look at it besides last week or his last term at the memorial leading into that he had gained shots gained approach four straight weeks his last two events he'd gained strokes gained off the tee so it seems like he's starting to get a little bit of that form back because of, with how good he is around the green sand if he can just have a little bit above average ball striking he's gonna be able to contend in terms just because he's going to make so many putts Another guy that I liked headed into this golf tournament was Dustin Johnson. I felt like a lot of people were sleeping on the fact that he played elite golf at Live Tulsa. Then he played a cup or really a round and a half of solid golf at the PGA Championship, then really uh, you know, made a couple mistakes, but it wasn't his finish wasn't as bad. Uh he didn't play as bad as his finish was. And then T dub, you know. Looking this week at Dustin Johnson, he's been so rock solid off the tee and with the irons, gaining uh, just nearly a shot off the tee per round and then over a shot on the field per round with the irons this week, strokes gained approach. And so he's five under tied for sixth right now. I probably give Dustin Johnson the best chance to win the golf tournament out of the guys that aren't in the top four who are heavy favorites headed into this Sunday um, it just worries me a little bit when I see a day like yesterday where DJ hit it real nice off the tee, but it just seemed like he couldn't get anything to drop, especially when he had some of those crucial putts to get him to six or seven under make that, you know, chase a little more manageable headed into Sunday. What have you seen from Dustin Johnson so far this week? I had mentioned earlier that Ricky Fowler and one other and Dustin Johnson were the only two players to be gaining more than a half a shot in every single category. So I agree. I think DJ's overall game is there. I am a little bit worried because yesterday he did lose almost a full shot on the greens and he lost about three quarters of a shot approach, which is something that you you expect DJ to be able to take advantage of some of his of his irons. I remember yesterday on hole number six he tried to lay up and he hit a, a horrible layup over on the right side. And then had to and then had to try to lay up again on the hole. So those are just little things that you can't do if you're going to win major championships. So if he can just have a little bit better form, because with the exception of that quadruple bogey 
in the uh, on number two in the second round. He had played great golf for the first 36 holes of this tournament. And if he could just get a little bit of, of that form going back, he'll be good. Did have a little bit of a stretch in the middle of the round. He hit the first three fairways yesterday and then didn't hit another fairway until number 10. Did hit his last uh, three out of his last four fairways, but just seemed like in the middle of the round there, Sam, he had something going on with his swing and just wasn't able to, to really battle through it. Was able to make a birdie on nine to give him a little bit more cushion since he wasn't driving it in particularly well. So it'll be interesting to see, is DJ going to win this tournament? I would be highly shocked if he does. He's going to have to have a, probably a pretty legendary round because I don't suspect that those top four guys are all going to come back to him. You think maybe one or two of them would have a bad day, but the odds of all four of them falling back are pretty slim. So if those guys down there, Harris Ingles six under or Shoffley DJ down there at five under, they're going to need something very special this afternoon for any chance to win, in my opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned Xander Shoffley, and he was the guy that I picked in the one-and-done this week. I had him second only behind Rom. Now, Rom was disappointing this week, but Xander was playing some great golf headed into the third round, and then all of a sudden, T-Dub, it's like he completely lost it off the tee, lost over three or almost three-and-a-half shots T to green yesterday. I mean, it seemed like he was never in the fairway. It seemed like he was in greenside bunkers, fairway bunkers, in the rough all day. I, I rarely remember him even having a birdie chance yesterday on Xander's round. Yesterday, he goes out there, he bogeys the easy par five first hole, and then bogeys three, bogeys five, but then he did birdie six, eight, and nine, but then I mean, on the back nine, shoots three over, ends up shooting three over for the round. What did you see from Xander Shoffley yesterday? It was super uh, irritating to me as a guy that picked him. It's like you're playing so good, and then all of a sudden, it seems like Xander does this in major championships where he's in a perfect position to really take a hold of the tournament, and he doesn't do it. My one-and-done pick as well, Sam. There were a few explicit words being yelled at the TV yesterday watching Xander Schauffele. I don't know what he was doing. He only hit four of 13 fairways yesterday. Did not hit a fairway uh, until number eight yesterday. That shows how bad that he started off. And it seemed like every one that he hit, too, was left. Thank God for that middle stretch, the whole six through nine. And also for his putter. He gained almost two and a half shots on the greens putting. He still shot three over. That shows how atrocious almost every other aspect of his game was losing two and a half shots off the tee, losing a shot and a half around the greens did gain a little bit of shots approach, but that's probably because he was in such horrible situations that if he just got it anywhere up around the green, it would have counted as, as a neutral setting. So now what I saw from Shoffley yesterday was really bad. But if he would not have been our pick, Sam, I would have thought that he would have won this tournament. It just seemed like that this is a perfect tailor-made course for him. It just seemed like his time was coming. He had put in the trials and errors to finally get done and win a major championship. But from what we saw yesterday, it's not his time yet, no, and he's going to keep on battling to get out. He absolutely loves the U.S. Open. He, in his six appearances before this one, his, his worst finish was 14th, and he's sixth going into this tournament. So going forward, he has to always be your pick when you're looking at a one, or at least for your pick going into a U.S. Open setup. But at least from what I saw yesterday, Sam, I, it, it's really discouraging from Shoffley. If he can just show a little bit of form like he had the first couple of rounds, then he's going to be able to move up this leaderboard and secure more than likely a top-five finish. But he shot himself out of the tournament yesterday, and that's sad to see, especially considering we picked him. Right after Shoffley and DJ, you have Rutaro Nagano, who is from Japan, plays on the Japanese tour and Asian tour, and a 35-year-old who qualified for the U.S. Open, sitting at four under par, shot two under yesterday, then tied for ninth. TW, you have Tom Kim, who for a second yesterday 
did something that was extremely rare, and I don't know if this has ever happened, T-Dub, was put on 59 watch at the U.S. Open. He shot 29 six under par on the front nine and then birdied number 10 to go seven under par on his round. And what did I do, T-Dub? I tweeted out, Tom Kim is on 59 watch and instantly jinxed him. Then he bogeys 13, 15, and 16 and ends up shooting uh, a measly 66, which was only the low score of the day. Uh, But Tom Kim's round yesterday uh, was something that I don't know that we've really even ever seen in a U.S. Open. It would have been really hard for Tom Kim to get to 59 because he was 700 through 10. To do that, he would have gone what, four under on the last eight holes, which besides number 15, which is the 81-yard par three, every single one of those holes played more than .2 shots over par. He needed a so Scotty Scheffler finish. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he needed a Scotty Scheffler finish at 100%. That would have definitely secured it. But, no, it's the same thing we saw with Harris English. He he was playing so good coming down, and then the last uh, the last eight holes, he played them four over as well. Shoffley, he, he had that horrible start, but then he got it back in, in – the middle of the round, and then the last eight holes, he played them three over as well. So those last eight holes, Sam, are just unbelievably tough. And that's the thing that we're going to see from anyone who's going to contend today. You're going to have to go out and birdie a lot of holes in that front nine to make some move and then hopefully have a Scotty Shelfer-type finish on 17 and 18 to be able to uh, to come in. And, and even on that point too, Sam, it's like Scotty Scheffler, he bogeyed 13 and he bogeyed 16 as well. So it's like even, even he could have been a little bit better, but that just goes to show – how hard those holes are. And then going back to Mr. Nagano, as we like to call him, it's, I don't know. I, I'm like you, Sam. I had never heard of this guy before. It was pretty crazy. He had played abundantly amount of times on the Japanese tour. He finished fifth in a Japan tour event back in April. Other than that, he had some top 15, top 20 finishes. His last three events on the Japan tour, he missed two or three cuts. And the other one, he finished 54th. So I think that anyone that that prognosticated Mr. Nagano to come in and have a good U.S. Open week would either have to be a family member or a really close friend because there was nothing on the stat sheet that would have gave you any inclination that he was going to play good. The other big names with Tom Kim tied for ninth are Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Smith, Hideki Matsuyama is tied for 12th along with Victor Hovland. Uh, those four guys, those are four big names in the game of golf right now. And Hideki really has hit the irons better than anybody else this week, gaining three and a half shots per round strokes gained approach, which is ridiculous. But the guy doesn't have it off the tee. Obviously he's hit a few close from the rough and, uh, and is losing about over a shot on the greens as well. Cam Smith, Putting great as usual, but doesn't have it off the tee this week. That's probably why he's not in the six, seven under range for this golf tournament. Bryson DeChambeau uh, continues to play some solid golf after the giant slump that Bryson DeChambeau was in. He's skinnier, looks happier, looks healthier. Good to see Bryson DeChambeau in the top 10 of a major championship again. And then Victor Hovland, who we saw won at the Memorial a a couple weeks ago. And Victor Hovland, two under par, tied for 12th, a solid tournament. Uh, But let's start with him, T-Dub. Why do you think that Victor Hovland is tied for 12th and not tied for 5th in this golf tournament? He had a pretty adventurous first round of the tournament. He starts off, he makes a, I believe he started on 10 in the first round, but he's, he's three over through five holes because he doubled number 14 to par five, makes two birdies coming in, and then has a hole out on number two for eagle, and then birdies the next hole. So you're thinking, okay, well, he might be able to get this to four or five under, because remember, that's the same day 
that Shoffley and Ricky shot their eight under. So you're like, yeah, you're going to have to go pretty low. But was only able to get it in a one under on that day and then shot even par in the second round and only one under yesterday. So, yeah, it's just – it seems like that he's very close to that category I mentioned earlier where he's every single category is a shot and a half or, or more than half a shot gaining strokes on the field. He's gaining almost a full shot off the tee, about three-quarters of a shot putting, half a shot around the greens. And he is gaining shots approach, just not an abundantly amount of them. So he's played a solid week, Sam, but just just isn't doing anything extremely special. Not enough to go out and dominate a tournament. I feel like if he keeps playing like he has the first three rounds, he'll secure himself a top ten finish for sure. He's twelfth currently and could definitely position himself up to get a top five and a nice paycheck. But in in major championships, Sam, you have to go out and you have to do special stuff at some point. You have to do a Ricky Fowler, go out and shoot eight under. If not for that round, Ricky would not be sitting near as pretty as he is. Or then you have someone like like Rory who shot five under first round and goes three under and then one under. So it's just he he hasn't done the extra, that extra step you need to do to win championship. He's doing enough to contend in the tournament, but not doing enough to give him a chance to hoist the trophy. Yeah, I think the winning score is going to be 14 under today, T-Dub. We'll give our picks later on in the show, but I just feel like anyone not tied for sixth or better is probably out of this golf tournament, and it would take a historic round for Dustin Johnson or Xander Shoffley to get to 14 under. I'd probably say that those top four, like we talked about the analytics saying, have a 95% chance to win. I think I agree with that, uh, that I think the winner is going to be Clark Fowler, McElroy, or Scheffler. We need to hit a break here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you till noon. After the break, we are going to bring in our co-host from the 73rd Hole Podcast, teaching professional out at Oak Tree National, and the man who has played in some U.S. Opens in the past. That would be Jim Woodward coming up after the break here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole. And we're back here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animal. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you till noon. And let's make it the 73rd Hole podcast and bring in our co-host on that podcast, Jim Woodward, teaching professional out of Oak Tree National, played on the PGA Tour for many years. Woody, happy Father's Day to you and your family. Yes. Yes, thank you, guys. Uh, there'll be a day when you and T-Dub are going to be fathers, too, and uh, the Lord help us when that happens. You guys will be a mess. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, I think T-Dub might already be a mess, T-Dub. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch how this Sunday unfolds. And before we get into anything else in the golf tournament, guys, I have a little clip from our January 4th podcast where Woody guaranteed something special to happen in 2023. Probably the the one that will be all unanimous agree on, and I, I would be shocked if there's any other way about it. Does Ricky Fowler win this year? And I think it's going to be unanimous. No, I will say he did finish second in the Zozo Championship in, in the fall, and he did finish sixth at the Fortnite Championship. So showing a little bit of form, but I don't think there's a chance in hell that Ricky Fowler wins this tournament or wins a tournament this year, Woody. He went back to the swing whisperer. I've told you, be careful on this. I'm going to say he does win. I guarantee he is going to win one. I don't know when, where, how, but he's going to win one. I'm going with Ricky. Wow. Woody is 
riding with Ricky. And in 2023, in his four starts, guys, he's hitting the ball so much better. Off the tee last year, he gained .05. In four starts this year, he's gaining over half a shot off the tee. Last, the last two years, he's lost shots on the season. Strokes gained approach in four starts. He's gaining .75 strokes gained approach. And, you know, like we said, when you go through a swing change, the putting is going to struggle a little bit for a while. I think he gets the putting figured out. Give me Woody. I totally agree with you. Give me Ricky Fowler to win wow! a PGA Tour tournament in 2023. <laughs> Wow, I, I am so I am utterly shocked right now. I am beyond belief. Like I said, that was back on January fourth on our twenty twenty two preview show, fellas. I'm gonna let you two kind of battle this out like we have inside joke wise on the podcast all year so far. Woody guaranteed Ricky Fowler to win a golf tournament in twenty twenty three. T-Dub said no chance. Fellas, what's going to happen this afternoon? Woody, I'll get your thoughts first. Well, now, I I said on our last podcast, I even picked Ricky Fowler as my long shot this week to win the Open. So, uh, if that comes to forte, as they say, say, man, well, I look really special then. And it wouldn't be that I'm special in any way, shape, or form. I I just know how good Butch Harmon is with world-class players and how he gets their brain back on the right track. And I I didn't know for sure how Ricky would, would play in majors this year, but I knew he could figure out how to win a PGA event. So I know T-Dub's down on him a little bit, but I still – T-Dub likes him. It's not that T-Dub isn't pulling for Ricky Fowler. He just doesn't think that the swing whisperer That's that right. Butch Harmon could do that so quickly. So, T-Dub, I, I will not – I promise I'm saying it on the radio, and I'll say it on our next podcast show. If Ricky does happen to win this thing today, I will only wear you out for just under a year, and then I'll let it die. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like – a probably appropriate time frame. And just to put this into perspective, whenever we played that clip was back on January 4th, some of his finishes since that time, 11th, 10th, 20th, 13th, 17th, 10th, 15th, 14th, 6th, and 9th. So it's back when we asked this question, even though he did finish second to Zozo, but we thought that that was just a little bit of a, a fluke thing. But no, him and Butch have been working out some very special stuff as iron play over the last year in particular, has been extremely exceptional. Seems like that he's getting the putter rolled back, which is something that he was notorious. Everyone used to say he had the prettiest putting stroke of all time. Now he's got some big mallet type thing with a, a huge putting grip. But but what are you being a swing coach yourself? What are the things that you've seen that him and Butch may be working on? And how does the swing look different from what it did just 12 to 18 months ago? Well, the most obvious thing is, instead of being so laid off and flat or people call it flat, I just call it under plane. Uh, he is pretty much keeping the club. It will look a little more upright on the back of the swing, but the biggest difference is there's not such a big sag of the club as it drops. Um, he had a right and left miss and that was the problem. Uh, and nobody plays golf for a living and does any good at it that has a left and right miss. And that was what was killing Ricky. Now, you'll see guys that have one or the other. Most of them hit it right when they miss. 
But Ricky had both going, and that's when your confidence starts to go. And, you know, guys, we all played golf enough to know if 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 you're not driving the golf ball in play, then you're always having to fight to make, you know, putts for pars. And Lee Torino said it best, if you find put, pros that are putting for pars, it's like a dog chasing a parked car. It ain't going to last long, okay? And that's what happened to, uh, to uh, Ricky. He went from really a pretty steady player, and everybody goes, why is he changing his swing? Because he wanted to get better. And when you try to get better, you usually get worse. Even teaching like we do, T-Dub, I know you do a lot of teaching now. You have to warn your 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 people or your pupils that, hey, look, it could get uglier before it gets better, but you got to stay the course. Uh, that's why Butch is so good. He can keep a guy on that course. And it I don't know what's going to happen today, gentlemen. I don't know, but I'm I am pulling for Ricky. I hope he I hope he finds a way to win this thing. Well, you mentioned Butch Harmon, and you said that's what makes him so good. I also feel like Butch is great with these players mentally, and he gives these players confidence. What makes Butch Harmon better at doing that than other teaching professionals or, or other swing coaches? You know, Sam, I think. I think his, his his just his longevity and how long he has been out and around and amongst them all, um, and and he's done it with all ages. You remember he was Tiger's first coach, okay? And a lot of people said, well, "Why in the world did you change off a of Butch?" Um, and that'd be you'd have to ask Tiger that. But he works with all levels of players too. But Butch likes them when they're down. He likes them when they have just almost hit rock bottom because at that point, they'll darn near listen to anything. And with his credibility and where all he's been and what all he's done, his experience just speaks volumes to these young guys. When they're lost, he can just bring them back to where they once were. And, I, I Sam, I, I don't think it's any more – then all these guys, when he works with them, he just reminds them how good they were. He might say, yeah, this little flaw in your golf swing, we'll work on that. But do you realize how good you were at one point and how good you can be at that same point right now? You can get back to that. And he just is, uh, I think he's almost three, four psychiatrists, one quarter golf teacher, just between you guys and me. I, I really think he's a good teacher, but I think he's a one heck of a sports psychologist or 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 a guy that can just turn a player back on he's the best i've ever seen i completely agree with that woody every single thing mentioned about butch is pretty special and another guy who's right up there at the leaderboard woody is someone who we've sounded like a broken record over the last couple of weeks is rory mcelroy oh he plays so good the first three rounds and then just completely falters in the final round, it seems like that that's something that's transcended onto what his major championship experience has been over the last decade. Do you feel like that today is the day that Rory can break not only his trend over the last couple of weeks in the final rounds, but the trend that's been over the last decade and he can finally break through? Well, the one thing both he and Ricky got going for him, it's good news, bad news, is they get to play the front nine at L.A. North before they play the more difficult back nine. So, it allows them to maybe get off to a pretty good start, which will calm the nerves and make them think, okay, I can do this. Uh, can you imagine going off that back nine first, playing some of those really difficult holes on the back nine? There's where a train wreck can happen. Now, having said that, Xander Shoffley, 
didn't get off to the best start on the second round on that front nine, okay, or on the third round either. But if you really get right back to that, that's why I say the front nine is a great place to get your feet kind of wet and get into the the pressure and everything's going without maybe having a big blow up hole. We will see. You know, that's I guess this is the best thing about this tournament this time, guys. We really have two players in Ricky for sure with Ricky because he hadn't done it in a long time, but Rory hadn't either. It's been nine years since he's won a major. So those two guys, unlike, uh, you know, we know Scheffler, what he can do. Okay. And I guess um, if you, if you really stop and look at it, I think Ricky and Rory are going to be the two. I really want to watch how they, how they get out to what start they got. Wyndham Clark, I'm not sure what to expect from him, but he sure showed Real moxie yesterday. He stayed in that golf tournament yesterday, guys. Really fought and and worked hard. So, uh, does a winner come from one of those four guys? I think it does because they've all shown the ability to play that golf course really well. What do you mention, Wyndham Clark, who also played his college golf at Oklahoma State? Ricky Fowler obviously went to Oklahoma State. They could become either if either one of those guys wins today, they could become just the second. OSU Cowboy to win a major championship, obviously Bob Tway at the PGA. Um, What would that mean? I mean, that is, I mean, think about all the great players that went to Oklahoma State, you being one of them, Woody. I mean, that would be, I mean, the ultimate feather under their hat. Well, yeah, I I sure wouldn't say I was one of the great players at Oklahoma State. I, I, I was there. I got to meet a lot of great players, but... I would say, guys, that it's amazing to me that Bob Tway is our only guy that has won a major out of all the great players that have come out of Oklahoma State that he is the only one to win a major. So, yes, it would it would make a huge difference in recruiting in some ways, but not in a lot of ways because I don't know. I don't know that young college guys really think about that from a standpoint of a school, but I think – if you could get if you could get a Ricky Fowler to win today, I think that would do really more for Oklahoma State because he's been so more vocal for Oklahoma State than Wyndham has. But I think it would do it wonders for golf because Ricky, whether you like him or didn't like him, thought he was too flamboyant, dressed funny, whatever it was, he was really good for golf, guys. He had that sense of humor and he had that – he had that ability to, to reach out to the common man or to every golfer that plays. And you just don't see that with a PGA Tour player very often. So, again, that's, you know, I'm not pulling against anybody, but I really am pulling for Ricky to have a, a, a win here. But he, L.A. Country Club is one of the most exclusive golf courses in the world. Very few people have ever got to play it. But you are on that short list of people that have gotten to see that property firsthand. So just from someone who has been there, what is your what is, have you seen on the TV on how the course has played so far? Now, it's changed quite a bit, T-Dub, with that renovation. They did, they did some different things with some different holes. But I do remember that back nine. Uh, the golf tournament I played out there, I actually won our section championship in California when I was a club pro out there. And I closed my guy out on 17. And 17 at that time was only about 450. It wasn't 500 uh, yards, meaning. Um, but I, what I did love about 
L.A. North. And and what's kind of crazy is, T.W., you and I went back and forth. I thought the fairway's too wide. You said, no, I like how wide they are. They're getting the BLD to play. It was not that wide when I played it. They've lost some trees. It looks like they made it wider than I remember it because you, you didn't probably have, you know, three, four-inch Bermuda rough when I was playing it. I don't remember that. But you had to drive the ball so well. And as I watch it now, it's kind of funny because this was in the 80s, guys, when I played that golf tournament. They're hitting five woods, seven woods, uh, driving irons, uh, very few drivers. <laughs> I remember wearing my driver out at this place <laughs> and having to hit it really good and solid just so I'd have middle irons into some of these greens. So, yeah, I reminisce, and it's fun to see it, uh, but I just am amazed how today's athlete and player on the PGA Tour, he can make any golf course really look pretty easy. It's just the darndest thing I've ever seen. It, it I, I'm I'm mind-boggled by it. I respect it. Like, you can't believe how good these guys have gotten. I just can't believe you can shoot 62s at L.A. North. But dang if they haven't done it. Woody, we talked about it earlier. I said I don't care what the winning score is. The L.A. Country Club has produced a great leaderboard with not only Fowler and McElroy and Scheffler, but you still got Xander and Dustin Johnson and the up-and-coming star and Wyndham Clark up there, Harris English, Ryder Cupper. Uh, absolutely great leaderboard. If it, you, if it was you setting up these U.S. Opens and I put you in charge of the USGA, Woody, um, if you were setting up L.A. Country Club, would you have set it up how they set it up, or do you like the winning score being at even par, um, or are you in my camp of saying if it produces a great leaderboard, then I'm fine with it? Well, and I, I agree with you, Sam. I think it's cool that you can you can have that good a leaderboard. That speaks volumes for the golf course. Now, I've, I've, I've been kind of shocked, you know, uh, Victor Hovland said he didn't like it. Uh, you know, Cam Smith wasn't all that high on it. Uh, Brooks Kepka for sure wasn't high on it. I'm kind of surprised that a lot of these guys have not liked it. I thought it, I thought it was a world-class golf course first time I played it. As for me running the USGA, that would last about five minutes because I'm about the most politically <laughs> uncorrect individual you'll ever meet in your life. So I wouldn't last long. <laughs> if I lasted long enough to set up this golf course, I would have had some of these driving holes with that kind width but others i would have narrowed down you remember in our podcast guys i talked about the 12th hole i thought would be a very pivotal hole because that was one of the few fairways that it has a pretty good dog leg to the left and it's a blind tee shot and it's a hard fairway for them to hit now that's how i would like to see about three or four of those other holes really really deep rough make it where if they don't drive it in the fairway they can't hardly get it on the green, and then they got a tough pitch. So, yeah, there's a few holes I might have made a little tougher, but I think you got a great point, Sam. It is hard to argue with your leaderboard, is it not? I mean, that is a phenomenal leaderboard, and so when you look at it from that standpoint, uh, I guess the USGA did did a much better job than what they've been notoriously not good at lately is setting golf courses up. They did a really good job on this one. We got to wrap. Woody, a lot of things that go ahead. Go ahead. I was T-Dub. just going to ask Woody. Yes, Woody. Well, real quick. A lot of players have been complaining about the blind tee shots at this course. The reason they don't like it, from a player's perspective, what is it about the blind tee shot that's so hard? Well, I, I think 
T-Dub, what it makes you do is it makes you really find a, a, a point on a tree or some kind of tower or something that you can aim at. And you got to get really disciplined with that because it has your, your, your line of sight has to really get focused in. It's almost like a, a scope on a rifle. You better get your eyes right on that. And it's difficult because what will happen is you, you, you don't get really focused on that one point. And then when you hit the golf ball and you get up there and you go, golly, I must have missed my spot by a lot more than I thought I did. I think a blind tee shot, you see them more over in uh, Scotland. We see a lot of them over in Scotland. You don't see it a lot in the United States because that's that's something that a lot of architects do not like. Um, I don't like a bunch of them, but, but I do like a, a blind tee shot now and then. Uh, I really do. It just... It just makes it where you really got to get really, like I said, focused on a point that you're aiming at. And it's kind of like uh, finding an Easter egg. When you hit it, did I get that fairway or not? Uh, you don't get immediate uh, satisfaction because you're still not sure until you crest the hill and you look down there and can see your ball in the fairway. Woody, thank you for your time today. The last thing I got for you, I would ask you who you think is going to win today, but I know you're rooting for Ricky Fowler after guaranteeing that he would win sometime this year on the PGA Tour. So let me just go ahead and ask you this. We heard Ricky say that his mindset headed into today will be that he's not scared to fail. What would you tell Ricky for his mindset to be today? I think the two words, well, it's more than two words. I'd, I'd tell him first thing, for goodness sakes, trust this golf swing you, you've built, okay? You've already proven it works, so trust that. And then I guess, Sam, it sounds like it's a kind of a cliche, but uh, do your best to play it one, one hole, one shot at a time, and you know there's going to be some ups and downs. It's a major I think that's the word that gets people big word is patience because you might, you know, might not have a couple of good holes. You might make some bogeys, but this golf course will let you make some birdies. Um, I think Ricky has been out of, Oh, that grind or in that mode where he could be choking as we hate to say the word, but that's happens. But I think this week he's found something in himself. So if he doesn't pull it off today, I, I think going forward, my my bet looks still really good for for this year of him winning a golf tournament. I, I like I said, I'm gonna pull for him a lot today, guys. No doubt about it. That is Jim Woodward, teaching professional out at Oak Tree National, and T Dub and I's co-host on the 73rd Hole podcast. Let's continue this radio show. One more segment, and we'll give our picks next segment here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animal. And we're back for one final segment here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animal. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you, and T-Dub... It's time to make our picks. Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler tied for first at 10 under par. Headed into the final round, Rory McIlroy solo third at 9 under. Scotty Scheffler solo fourth at 7 under. Harris English solo fifth at 6 under. Then you have 
tied for sixth, Dustin Johnson and Xander Shoffley at five under T-Dub. Who wins the U.S. Open this afternoon? Well, this is such a tricky situation. Whenever you look at who's actually playing the best, you I would probably have to say Fowler. But from someone who four days ago said that he has 0% chance to win this term, I feel like it'd be kind of chicken to me to hedge my bet in that sense. You know what? I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, Sam. I think Wyndham Clark gets it done. I truly do. I think that he's putting so extremely well. I'm actually watching the golf channel right now. They're talking about his mother's passing and all the stuff he went with at OSU. I just think it'd be such a, a good, feel-good story for this afternoon. But I am a little bit of an impasse because I think the winning score is going to be about 11 under is, is what I'm prognosticating. That's actually the analytical favorite for the winning score to be as well. So I'm thinking, well, I think Ricky could shoot better than one under. So I wouldn't be shocked if there's a playoff by any stretch. I, I am worried about Rory just because of his final round woes. Can, can Sheffler go out? If he can make some putts down at seven under, he can definitely make a charge. But if you're going to put a gun to my head, Sam, who to pick? I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to pick Wyndham Clark to win this thing. T-Dub, remember when Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship, and now all of the talk was instantly on the fact that he is the first legend we've had really – of this era of elite golfers and talking about how now he has more major championships than Rory McIlroy and how Rory can't get it done. Hasn't gotten it done in over a decade, all the stuff that's happened off the course with Rory over this past, you know, really year and a half Rory was sitting at home uh, probably after the PGA championship. And that had to hurt him watching everybody praise Brooks Kepka like that, not only because of him getting a, a one more major than Rory McIlroy has, but it also felt like a massive win for Liv. I feel like Rory was at home thinking, I need to make a statement. And clearly when he headed into this U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club, he didn't want to talk about the merger, didn't want to talk about any of that stuff. He wanted to have his full focus on golf. And I feel like Rory's full focus has been on golf this week more than any other tournament really in the last couple of years. And I think, T-Dub, Rory has looked more solid than anyone else in the field so far this week, the fairways are wide, and Rory is just absolutely striping it off the tee. And if he can get a couple putts to fall on that front nine, give him some momentum headed into that back nine, I feel like Rory could take this tournament and run away with it. I think that he could shoot five under par and get to 14 under and win this tournament by a couple shots. I'm going with Rory McIlroy to win the U.S. Open this afternoon. I know that's shocking to a lot of people. I hate what Rory has said off the course, but I'm just watching what's gone on over the past couple of weeks along with his statements and all of that, that he did not want to talk about any of that stuff this week. He wanted his full focus to be on golf, and he looks like Rory McIlroy of 2014. Now, I think he's going to get it done, T-Dub, and mainly because I think he's going to tear up that front nine if they set it up. Like Dad was saying, my dad was saying earlier on in the show, saying that some of these pins are going to be a little bit easier than we might see normally in the final round of a U.S. Open. The USGA wants some fireworks with this great leaderboard that they have. I think that Rory is in a perfect position to win this U.S. Open. I know it's shocking, T-Dub. 
It truly is. You're you're the last thing I would qualify you as as a Rory McIlroy fan. So yes, it is a little bit of a shock to me. I will say for not just Rory, but all these guys out there, the first ten holes are going to be extremely paramount, especially how they played the last few days. Uh, holes one, three, six play a little bit over par, but six is drivable par four, and then eight are all playing under par. So you need to be able to take advantage of those holes as well. Holes two, five, and seven in particular are playing pretty hard as well. So if you can get through those holes with pars, birdie, I would say two of those other four holes, go out and make a little bit of a move. But you're exactly right, Sam. If anyone is going to go out and and make a big move, they're going to have to do it on the front nine because those last eight holes, you're holding on for dear life. And if you can make eight pars coming in, you, you will be sitting very pretty on those last eight holes for sure. Rory McIlroy performances in the U.S. Open over the last four years. Top tens, he has four of those. That ranks first. Total birdies, 61 birdies. That ranks first. Strokes gained off the tee, plus 17.2. That ranks first. And strokes gained total, plus 42.7. He's gained 42.7 strokes. That ranks tied for first. Rory McIlroy is due to win a U.S. Open, and I think it's going to happen this afternoon t-dub that wraps it up for us on the 73rd hole radio show we will be back tomorrow on the 73rd hole podcast to recap all of the action that happens later on at la country club preston pool thank you for producing today thank you to jim woodward and craig humphreys for coming on the show this has been sam humphreys on oklahoma's leader in golf the 73rd hole